morning, y'all. Thank you for being here today. Um, Today is a day that we set aside to honor our mothers. So happy Mother's Day. I'm thankful for the mothers in my life. I'm thankful for Beth and how she cares for our kids. Um, After I've wrestled them and hurt them, she nurses them back to health. So I'm thankful for her. I, I know Mother's Day can be a hurtful time for some, and we want to be sensitive to that, and I hope if that's you, that you would find some healing today and know that you're dearly loved by the people of the bridge and by our Father God. So I I hope you find some healing today. Today I want us to look at a couple of mothers in the Bible. Uh, One of them is a, a mom in crisis. And one of them is a spiritual mom to the mom in crisis. Now, this is going to be a little different because this is a passage of Scripture that's normally preached one time a year. Uh, It's in the book of Luke, chapter 1, and it's the story of Mary. So this is normally preached at Christmas time, and that's it. But I feel strongly that the Lord wanted us to look at this passage on Mother's Day today. Luke chapter 1, the title of the message is Mary and Elizabeth, Mercy, Discipleship, and Worship. We're going to read verses 38 through 56 in just a minute of Luke chapter 1, but before we get there, I want to give you some honest backstory about Mary. Most of the commentaries that I read about the Virgin Mary say that she was around the age of 13 when she got the news that she was going to bear the Messiah. Seventh grader. So you need to keep that in the back of your mind when you're processing this news. A seventh grade age girl is visited by an angel, and the angel tells her that she's going to bear the Messiah. Crazy stuff in my book. I used to be a student pastor, used to work with a lot of seventh grade girls. Whew! Um, Bearing the Messiah would be a big job for a seventh grade girl. Also, we need to understand a little bit about that culture. Um, most people probably would, would not have believed that Mary was a pregnant virgin girl. Would you? I mean, not everybody got visited by the angel. Only Mary got visited by the angel. So when she walked out of that room and she started telling people that she was pregnant, but that she was still pure, people would have said, yeah, because that happens all the time, you know. People would have thought she was a liar. In response to that, in her culture, she would have had two responses. Either they would have just absolutely humiliated her and ridiculed her, or they would have killed her. 
So this is all in response to, to what the angel said. We, you know, at Christmas time, we normally hear all the good things. It's all happy. Let's give presents. Jesus is awesome. But Mary in this story was faced with some pretty serious stuff. She could have lost her husband, who she was engaged to, because he knew that wasn't his baby. Um, anybody that would have been Mary's friend and walked through this time with her would have been ridiculed. You mean you really believe what she's saying? Anybody with any intelligence at all would know that she's lying. There's a lot of backstory going on here. Um, Mary was walking through a time that was super stressful, and on top of that, she was a 13-year-old girl bearing the Messiah, God. Like your first child, there's always some pressure with your first child. You don't really know what you're doing. But when he's God, there's a whole new layer of pressure. Do you spank God? <laughs> no. I mean, you're kind of back up against the wall in the corner here. He does whatever he wants to do. I mean, you spank him and he just kills you. You know, I mean, it's, you, you, don't, you don't have a lot of say with God. Even though he's a little baby, he's still God. So I want you to keep all that in your mind when we're reading this, this story. Mary sees the angel the angel tells her she's going to bear the Messiah. And in response to that, in those verses where the angel is visiting her, her, her responses aren't that great. It, she, number one, she's scared. You can go back and read it. Number two, she says, how's this going to be? How, how's this going to happen? She doesn't understand how it's going to happen. And then, in verse 38 is where we're going to pick up. I want you to see her response in verse 38. The angel's done. This is Mary's last response. Luke 1, verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Stop right there for just a second. Notice what Mary says. May it be done to me. So she is, she is seeing this as God doing something to her. So keep that in your mind, okay? Let's finish reading the passage. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she claimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. Blessed is she who, ha who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. And Mary said, My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he's looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. 
Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me. And his, his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. And Mary stayed with her. About three months, then she returned to her home. The first thing that I I want you to see in this passage is that mercy and joy are intoxicating to hurting people. There's something that tells me that when, when Mary was processing all this, she knew how the whole community where she was living at would respond to her. But something in her mind said, I need to get to Elizabeth. I need to get to Elizabeth. And one reason I believe that is because Elizabeth wasn't just around the corner. Mary was in Nazareth. And the Bible says that Elizabeth was in the hill country of Judah, which is about 80 to 100 miles away. So Mary, as a 13-year-old pregnant girl, said, I've got to get to Elizabeth. I don't care how far away she is, I've got to get there. You don't travel 80 to 100 miles by horseback. I'm not traveling by horseback anywhere. I'd rather walk. But you don't travel by horseback or by foot 80 to 100 miles on a whim. So I believe, it's, it's not written down, but I believe that Elizabeth had proved in, her, in, in Mary's life that she was a person of mercy and joy. And Mary said, I don't, I don't care how long it takes me to get there, but I've got to find Elizabeth. She knew that Elizabeth, when she walked into the room, Elizabeth was not going to judge her or condemn her. She knew that she was going to find mercy at Elizabeth's house. Friends, listen to me. The, the bridge has been called by God with a very different vision in our community. And that vision is to reach people who we call uninitiated, meaning people who don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe they're extremely far from Jesus. Maybe they don't say the right words. Maybe they don't drink the right thing. Maybe they don't do the right thing. Maybe they don't do the church thing. Maybe they don't want any part of church. Maybe they don't want any part of Jesus. That's who the Lord has called us to reach. And if we're going to reach them, an I told you so type of faith is not going to work. Do you hear me? Us pointing a a religious finger at folks. Making a big Facebook blast, blasting people that don't believe like we do. is not going to draw them into who we are. The way we're going to reach them is when they say, I know the people of the bridge will show me mercy. And y'all, we've got some proving to do there. You don't earn that name overnight. 
You don't earn that name on Sunday mornings. The application for this, for this point, I I said it's for adults, and, and I do think it's mainly for adults because I think adults struggle with mercy the most. But it's also for teenagers and kids as well. The application is set yourself up to be a person known for mercy and joy. Not, not when people hit crisis mode, but before that. This, this is us showing mercy every day. It's us showing mercy on Facebook. It's us showing mercy on all forms of sh- social media. It's us showing mercy at Walmart. It's us showing mercy with our waiters and our waitresses that may not be perfect in our restaurants. It's us showing mercy to our teachers. It's us showing mercy to our administrators at our school. It's us becoming known as people who who our community points at and says, they show me mercy. Because let me tell you something, even, even though mercy may not be intoxicating to people when they're not broken, when they start becoming broken and God changes those circumstances in their life, like he just changed Mary's circumstances in her life, They're going to say, I know they're going to show me mercy. And that's when they find Jesus. To show mercy on a daily basis in all of our normalcy takes a person abiding in the Spirit of God. Living in the Spirit of God. You don't turn on the mercy switch on Sundays. Not if you want to become known for your mercy in your community. And listen to me. As as the pastor of the bridge, I, I want the people in our community to say, not that place, but that people called the Bridge Church. No matter what I have gotten myself into, they're going to show me mercy. Adults, sometimes this is hard for us because... We're walking through a generational gap right now that's bigger than any that we've ever seen in history. Because of technology and all that, uh, the people that are 60 have a much greater gap between those that are 30 than, than it used to be. Adults, I'm asking you to lay down your rights. I'm asking you to lay down uh, your comfort, not lay down your Bible. I'm, I'm not asking you to lay down your convictions. But sometimes, some things we're passionate about that, that's not biblical. Be a person of mercy above all things. Be a person of mercy. So that our community, when they become broken, can say, those people will show me mercy. And when they do that, they find Jesus. Point number two. From this passage, obedience is always costly. We need a spiritual parent to point us to his goodness. Obedience was costly for Mary. And let me tell you something if you're going to be obedient to Jesus, it's going to cost you something. Obedience to Jesus is never free to us, it's always costly, it costs us something. It was going to cost her her dignity because everybody knew she was lying. 
could have costed her her husband. It didn't. Could have costed her her family. She was about to lose all forms of normal. People would have said that she was a a hypocrite because she was a godly person on the outside, but now she's pregnant. She was doing things in private that she shouldn't have done. It would cost her with Jesus. It would cost Jesus. Later on in Jesus' life in Mark 6 and John 8, the Pharisees say something to him about being illegitimate. Making fun of him. So it was costly to the people around her. Obedience to Jesus, obedience to to the Lord's commands is always costly. We need, each person in this room who wants to follow Jesus with all their heart, need people in their lives who can be that spiritual parent for them. It needs to be somebody they can trust. You need to be able to call on somebody that can give you spiritual guidance. It needs to be a person that's trustworthy. The application for here is for for teenagers and adults to seek out that person you know will continue to point you to Jesus. I'm not asking people to go find somebody to mentor or to disciple. I'm asking for you to find somebody to disciple you because that's what Mary did. And it's kind of awkward for somebody to walk up to you and say, hey, you look like you need a little help. I'm going to disciple you now. That's kind of weird. I've always, it, it needs to be somebody that's the same gender. I've always been scared to teach this in student ministry because you know there's going to be a boy that you say, go find a spiritual parent, and they're going to go find a 16-year-old girl, and they're going to say, I think God's telling me that you need to be my spiritual mama. (laughs) Needs to be a same gender. If you're a man, seek out a man that has proven himself trustworthy, that you can share all things with, and you can trust him with. And let him parent you spiritually. Women, same thing. Seek out that person that you can trust in all things. The last point is this. I I want you to hear this. Especially if you want to really make disciples like the Lord Jesus has called us to. Number three. Good spiritual parents always start where the person is and lead them to worship of Jesus. People talk a lot about Mary's song, the Magnificat, that we just read. But when I, when I look at the whole story, I believe that Mary's maturity at the age of 13 had a lot to do with her relationship with Elizabeth. I don't know how much distance there was between the meeting with Elizabeth and when Mary sang her song, but I think Elizabeth affected her. In verse 29, when she hears from when Mary hears from the angel, it says that she was deeply troubled. 
In verse 34, it says, she said, how can this be? In verse 38, she says, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. Then in verse 39 through 45, she goes to Elizabeth. Then she begins to sing in verse 46, my soul praises. Verse 47, my soul rejoices. Verse 49, the mighty one has done great things for me. Listen to what Elizabeth says when she finds out that she is conceiving John. She has conceived John the Baptist. Verse 24. After these days, his wife, Zachariah's wife, Elizabeth, conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She said, the Lord has done this for me. Which sounds a lot like what Mary said after she had met with Elizabeth. Before she said, God is doing this to me. After she said, God is doing this for me. Elizabeth had poured into Mary. Elizabeth had had taught her some things. Man, we need these people in our lives today. The application for this is be sure to always start where the person is on their journey. A good, a good spiritual mentor, a good discipler always starts where a person is on their journey. When, when Mary went to Elizabeth, Elizabeth didn't say, Mary, let's talk about coveting today. You know what I mean? Or Mary, um, let's talk about lying today. It's not that God's not passionate about people not coveting or not lying, but that's not where Mary was. And this is why each person in this room is so critical to the bridge having an impact that the Lord has called us to. Because I can't start with where everybody is. I can, I can get up here and preach what the Lord has told me to preach, but I can't start where everybody is. An addict, a person that's coming, out of, coming to Jesus from being addicted to drugs, doesn't need to hear about coveting right now. A person whose marriage is falling apart doesn't need to hear about tithing right now. I think that's why we're losing people and we're losing people is because people come to Jesus but they come, they come to the same place at the, at the foot of the cross. They come to Jesus at the same place but they come from a variety of different places. And they need you in their life starting where they are and walking them to worship of Jesus. One plan of let's sit down and start reading the Bible together, no matter what, doesn't work. But if I can say, where are you coming from? I'll give you, I'll give you an easy question you can ask. And, and you don't even have to have all the answers to ask it. You can go to somebody and you can say, do you ever have any spiritual questions? Like, that's not too confrontational. Do you ever have any spiritual questions? 
Do you have any questions about God? And listen to them. And start there. Now they may say something to you that blows your mind. Yeah, I got questions about God. How did all the dinosaurs yada, yada, yada? You can say, I don't know. And then you can call Kirk. (laughs) Seriously, you can ask that question of people. And you can say, you know, I don't know that, but let's find out together. But it's impossible for for me to know exactly where every person in this community is coming from. It's impossible. You have to be out there. You have to be out there listening to people and asking those questions if we're ever going to fulfill the vision that God's given the bridge. The last thing that I want want you to see from this passage is for everybody. And it's from Mary's life. It's the application that that worship is a decision. Decide to worship whether you feel it or not. We we have, in our culture, kind of made everything about us. We want the songs we sing to be what makes us feel good. We want the preaching that we here to be what makes us feel good. We want everything to be about what makes us feel good. But let me tell you something that's true about worship. God tells you how he wants you to worship him. We don't have the authority to tell God today, this is how I want to worship you. No, he tells us how we worship him. And when Mary first got this news, she, she didn't feel good about it. Sometimes worship doesn't start with a good feeling. Sometimes it's a decision that I am going to worship God today. And then the feeling comes later. God meets us in the place. And he changes us. But let me tell you something, guys. Worship's not about us. If we sing the songs you like or we don't, it's not about us. God tells us how he wants to be worshipped. Worship is a decision. Today, I don't know what you're going through. Maybe, maybe you're hurting today and you need somebody to pray for you. We're going to sing a couple more songs. I'm going to be standing over to the side and I, I certainly don't mind praying for you. Maybe your first form of worship is to give your life to Christ. You know, worship isn't always a song. Sometimes it's action. A lot of times it's action. It's a lifestyle that we live. Maybe your first act of worship isn't to sing, but to give your life to Jesus. I can help you with that. Maybe you came in here and you you hoped the temperature would be better. Maybe you hoped the seat would be more comfortable. Maybe you hoped the songs would be different. Maybe you hoped the preaching would be better. But maybe it's not about you. We're here to worship Jesus today. So maybe the first couple songs you didn't worship that well. Maybe you were nervous about what other people thought about you. Or 
or maybe you were uncomfortable with everything going on, but maybe these next few songs, maybe you need to give it to Jesus and worship him how he wants to be worshipped today and for what he deserves to be worshipped. Let me pray for us. We're going to sing a couple more songs. Father, I hope that the message today will help us worship better. You're worthy of all our worship. You deserve every ounce of our worship. You're worthy of more worship than just our music. You're worthy of our lives. So I pray we would live them for you. Father, I pray for those who may be hurting today that you would be near to them because you promised to be near to the brokenhearted. I pray for those who don't know you yet that they would somehow trust you through the teaching of your word. Father, we love you. And we pray that if nobody is pleased today but you, that we would be good with that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and worship it. Before we go, number one, um, Jeremy Bailey is going to be here next week. Jeremy works at the intermediate school, but he's also the director at the Odell McCallum Community Center. And and I want to encourage you to be here next week for that. I'm going to kind of interview him and ask him what he needs uh, for the bridge to do to help him best at the community center through his summertime uh, activities. The Lord has called the bridge not to have children's ministry and student ministry at the place, but to do it out there. And that may not be specifically where he's called you to do something, but it could be. So I want to I ask you to be here next week and hear from him. There's two things that I know he needs. He needs finances and he needs people. So the reason I'm telling you about this now is maybe the Lord prompts you to give next week to them. Uh, We're going to open up our giving box next week for you to give directly to the community center instead of the bridge. So if you want to give to the Odell McCallum Center next week, bring your checkbook, mark in the memo. Uh, you You can make the check out to the bridge, mark in the memo, Odell McCallum Center. Uh, or you can just make it straight out to them, and we'll, we'll be sure to give it to them, and you can put it in the giving box. So, so be prepared to give. Uh, but s- the second reason I want you, to, want you here is to hear his heart, because the Lord may prompt you to help them this summer. Um, and we want to do that if, if that's what the Lord's calling us to do. So a good way to minister, be sure you're here next week, if you can be, to hear from Mr. Bailey. Second thing is uh, we are signing up for a membership lunch that will happen next week. All, it's not a class that you have to attend to become a partner or member with the bridge. Uh, but it's, it's a place where people that are interested in becoming a part of the bridge can come and sit down over lunch with me and maybe a couple others and talk through what our vision and, and values are. And you can ask me questions directly. 
There's just a couple more spots. There's limited space because I'm buying. Um, but there's limited space. Actually, the bridge is buying. So there's limited space. There's only a couple spots left. So if you're interested in being a part of that next week after the morning service, sign up today. Thank you for being here today. Happy Mother's Day. You're dismissed.